Welcome to the Naples Community Church Podcast with Pastor Kurt Anderson. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you find this sermon inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you perspective to see God moving in your life. We trust God has great things in store for you. Enjoy today's message. And our Father, because you gave your Son to us, we give us back. We give us to you. We give us to the world that you love so much you gave your Son to die for it. Lord, may you establish unity amongst us. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Our text this morning is from another one of these Psalms of Ascent. And it is one in which they celebrate their unity as a family of faith. Hear the word of God as it comes to us from Psalm 133. Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head, running down upon the head of Aaron, and his beard running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing of life forevermore. May God add his understanding to this hearing of his word. So blessed are those who dwell in unity, and what a good sight that is in God's eyes when when he sees that. And as we saw in the video, those who centered their life on fishing had great unity. They had joy with one another. They had fun with each other. But they alienated their wives and their girlfriends. It was a community that was narrowly defined, a community of fish. And I've been looking for a way to show that video for a long time, and I finally found one. (laughs) And, um, you know, this is, this is the stuff that goes on in us today. What is, what is the unifying factor for people, for communities? And if we have a unifying factor that is something like being red or blue, being left or right, being, being Democrat or Republican, then we're going to have a sweet fellowship with those with whom we agree, but we're going to be antagonistic toward those on the outside of that. And that's not good enough. It's just not what God intends. What God intends is that all his children have have deep and profound joy being with one another. And the two examples he uses, one is of Aaron who was anointed, and in the anointing, it poured down over his head and down through his beard and onto his clothing. A sweet aroma that that was olive oil all spiced up and ready for the anointing work. And then there's the image of Mount Hermon, which is way to the north, maybe 9,000 foot hill, 9,000 foot mountain. And 
the dew that falls, the rain that falls, the snow that falls, and how that enriches, enriches everything around it. And it was the, it's a picture, it's two metaphors that give rise to a sense of joy, deep and profound joy. And as Chesterton has argued, that is the great secret of the church. The great secret of the Christian church is joy. Now, <clears throat> why is it that in so many instances, we were told that when we go to church, we've got to be silent and serious. And as I've said before, that we all should have that look on our faces as if we've got gallstones. <laughs> that, that it's a painful thing. That we, we go to church and we haven't really worshipped God unless we've suffered on a Sunday morning. And, and yet that, that has never been what God intended. The Lord intends that as people come together with a sense of the unity that is ours in Christ, not about fish or Democrat or Republican, not about anything but about Christ, and that we celebrate that unity, that we, we know that whatever silly things over which we disagree, we have that unity, and not just amongst us who are gathered at a particular time, but with the fellowship of Christians all over the world. So we could take a plane and land in Peru, and we'd be one with those who are there who profess the reality of Christ in their lives. And so that is, that's the Lord's intent and how, how good God feels when, when he sees that, when that's a part of life. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a theologian who enjoyed fellowship. He was a student in the, as a young man in Germany, and he surrounded himself with other students and professors, and, and because of the fellowship that they enjoyed, he wrote a book called Life Together. And that, the opening phrase of that book is the opening phrase of our song. How beautiful it is when, when brothers dwell in unity. How beautiful it is. And he goes on and on and on and, and tells us how important it is that, that we celebrate life together. And he says, our community with one another consists solely in what Christ has done to both of us. God is willing to be guilty of our guilt. God becomes human, really human. He puts a lot of emphasis on this. God didn't come just in part. He doesn't sort of hold stuff back. He goes fully into our condition. He fully enters our life. And in Hebrews it says he knew all the temptations that we experience. He didn't sin, but he knows everything about our life. And God wants us to be real persons. He wants us to be fully human, real persons. While we are distinguishing the pious from the ungodly, the good from the wicked, the noble from the mean, God makes no distinctions. He does not permit us to classify others according to our standards 
and set ourselves up as judges over the others. Instead, he takes their side. So when we begin to divide ourselves over things less than Christ and we begin to be judgment, take judgment out on other people for whatever reason, Bonhoeffer says God takes their side against our judgment. And Jesus knows what it was to bear the judgment of the righteous, the denominational authorities of, of Jerusalem. He knows what it is then to take the side of those who are being judged. So life together, as he says, is about affirming our oneness in Christ and, and celebrating that, that that's a joyful, a joyous thing, not something that gives us pain, not something that requires of us that we come in and we act really righteous and holy, but that we come in and we act, we act real, that we be who we are. And this is, what's tough about this is that Bonhoeffer goes on to say, in the reality of your humanity, which is a humanity into which God entered fully, we need to be at the point where we can confess to one another, where we can share the realities of our, our brokenness with each other. And how much sense does that make? If one comes across as they're just, they've really got it together, and they can show you their house and their car and their bank book or whatever, they really got it together. Where do we enter in? Where do we identify? Well, if we've really got it together too, well then maybe we can identify because we've got it together and he's got it together and maybe he's got it together more than I've got it together. And we get into that comparison thing and next thing you know, nobody's got anything together. But when we confess to one another, when we're willing to share some of those deep and tender realities with one another, when we can find that person with whom we can share those, those moments, then you know how it is. If somebody's open to you, if somebody becomes vulnerable to you, how you're drawn, that, that vulnerability is a pre prerequisite for love. And it's that vulnerability that allows us to, to really be one together, celebrating our, our co-forgiveness in Christ. And so Bonhoeffer makes a big deal of that and even starts to talk about a religion-less Christianity. Now, those with whom he would contend have taken that up and, and they have argued for the, the end of the church and so on and so forth. That, that's not what Bonhoeffer has been saying. But what he is saying is that he just got tired of the, of the church acting so religious, especially during the Nazi years. He got tired of the church just going through the motions, doing that 
Domino's, Nabisco-type thing in church and going through the motions and, and just being churchy, getting your ticket punched and then leaving and being completely out of touch with what was going on in the world as Jews were being carried away and suffering and as those who helped them were being hauled off and put in camps. So he began to see that our religion, our religion-esque life together was a problem, not a solution. So he was arguing for a religion-less Christianity. And of course, I have in many ways said I agree with him that this is not a religion, it's a, it's a relationship. It's a relationship we have with the living God and it's a relationship that we have with one another. We have religious aspects because we need some structure around what we do. But really at its core, this is a, our faith is a relationship with the living God and our relationship with one another, with the God who loves us. And so the promise, the promise of God is that we would have the blessings of life for all eternity. Blessings. But we try to, we try to make religion something that it's not. And we end up really frustrated. Eugene Peter says, we try to imagine what heaven's like and wonder if we wouldn't prefer the rousing good fellowship of hell. Because we're so bad at imagining what heaven is like and, and we're so bad at acting out that reality in real life, he suggests that maybe we'd prefer hell. Well, Gary Larson depicts this beautifully in one of his cartoons. If you remember the Far Side cartoons, they're always brilliant. So on the one side, welcome to heaven, here's your harp. The other side, welcome to hell. Here's your accordion. <laughs> the point being, our images of heaven sitting on a cloud playing a harp are not nearly, is not nearly enticing as our thought that maybe people in that very bad place are having a much better time than we are. And so... Peterson says that maybe we'd prefer the rousing good fellowship of, of hell. But the psalm tells us of the rousing good fellowship of heaven. Assemble in your imagination all the friends that you enjoy most, the companions that evoke the deepest joy, your most stimulating relationships, the people with whom you feel completely alive. That is a hint of heaven. That is a hint of heaven. And the Lord's promises for those the Lord has commanded the blessings, life forevermore. So when I talk about our church, I talk about how those of us up front, if we are the, uh, the chicken and the bun, you're all the secret sauce. You put the spice in it. You put the fun in it. You bring the joy to it. And that the, the church is to be a place of unmitigated, incredible joy 
and laughter. It's supposed to be a place where we enjoy each other, not where we bear with each other. We have to do some forbearance so that we can continue to enjoy one another. So I don't want to gross you out, but I can tell you a story. So I was a um, senior at UC Santa Barbara, and I, had, I was a, a, uh, one of the resident assistants, because I had I'd given up my scholarship, and I was, I was an RA, and we were throwing a party. So Anna Kappa dorm with Santa Cruz dorm, guy dorm, girl dorm, we were having a big party together. And, um, <clears throat> and I decided that what I would do is show a skit that I had learned from Young Life and that I had done with my youth group down at the Montecito Church where I was running their youth program. And so I got two other guys to join me in this skit. And um, so what it was was a large glass of water and tube of toothpaste and a toothbrush. First guy got up put toothpaste on the toothbrush, dipped it in the cup, brushed his teeth, took a swig of the water, spit it back in the cup, sat down. Next guy got up. And he took the tube of toothpaste, put on the toothbrush, dipped it in the water, brushed his teeth, swigged, out, or washed out his mouth and spit it back in the glass. Then it was my turn. I got up put toothpaste on the toothbrush, and um, brushed my teeth, and then drank the water. <laughs> and everyone did like that, they were, except they were loud, they were screaming <laughs> and laughing. And then the head resident got up to resume the party, and he, he yelled out to everyone, and that guy's gonna be a minister. And I, but afterwards, one of the kids came up to me. And he said, Kurt, where do you go to church? And I said, Montecito Presbyterian Church. He said, if that's okay with them, I think I want to go to that church. And that we not take ourselves seriously. That we not take our, our opinions, which could be wrong, you know. Opin that our opinions could be fallacious. We not take them so seriously. They, they divide us. We not take anything about ourselves so seriously that we set ourselves over against the other. Instead, in, in simple humility and joy, that we love one another as Christ has first loved us. Will you join me in prayer? And so, dear Father, may we anticipate, even in our fellowship together, the real joys of heaven, not a place of solemn seriousness, but a place of heady joy and laughter, people hugging each other and caring for each other, and how that glorifies you. May we love one another as you have first loved us. And may we 
Give to one another as you have given so much to us. Make us one, O oh Lord. Make us one. In Jesus' name, amen. If you enjoyed today's podcast, there are a few things you can do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at www.naplescommunitychurch.org. If you happen to be visiting Naples, please drop in for our Sunday service at 10 a.m. We'd love to meet you. Thanks again for joining us. Have a fabulous day.